This week, we're taking a look at Netflix's parental commentary in I Am Mother. And along the way, we ask, how did the world end in this film? What exactly is Hilary Swank hiding? And why can't mother just let daughter have a pet? Let's dig in on Force-Fed Sci-Fi. Hello, everybody, and welcome to what is sure to be another thrilling, death-defying, world-ending edition of the Force-Fed Sci-Fi Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris Rupp, and I am joined by my friend and co-host... I am mother. Sean Culp. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, so some fun fact history about this episode. We recorded it about a month ago and uh, it ended up getting lost enough of your computer, Mr. Chris. Yeah, Rupp. that's my bad. <laughs> so he's reviewed this film, but this is going to be fun for me because I've definitely deleted this from my memory as uh, the last recording I stated. So I'm going to guess on what happens and we're going to go from there. So let's go forth. Go forth, synopsis, man. Break it down so I can kind of remember. All right. So following an apocalyptic event, humanity has found itself under the care of an advanced robotic entity named Mother. As Mother is raising a human that is simply named Daughter. Very uh, creative naming there. (laughs) They eventually learn that they are not the only ones left alive as a woman named Woman arrives at their underground bunker seeking help. Daughter now finds herself caught in between the influences of mother and woman as she learns that her world is not what it seems. Oh, man. Okay, that sounds kind of interesting. I'm slowly remembering Hilary Swank's mean mugging face. So, (laughs) surprise, casting crew, it uh, has Hilary Swank. Yeah, uh, we don't need to go over her resume too much. I mean, she's a two-time Academy Award winner. She has a pretty solid... Resume. Yes. They debated over her uh, attractiveness in The Office. Good episode. Have you ever watched The Office? Uh, I don't remember that episode. Oh, it's so great. But anyone else intriguing in this film? We have uh, Clara Rugard as daughter, a relative newcomer to the scene. Mostly has credits in Danish television shows, but she has a background as a dancer. Oh, okay. So that really lends itself to some... Um, Interesting moments on screen, I guess. I guess. Did she dance in this? No. I think there were one or two moments where she does some ballet movements. Okay. When Mother isn't, you know, helicoptering her. Oh, they should have done a scene with her and Mother dancing. Well, I think this role had to be somebody who the audience will love and has this desire to shelter and protect. I mean... Do you not love people that dance, Chris? Did you not dance as a child? This feels like a trick. (laughs) And it's directed by, uh, I'm going to try this, Grant Sputor. Did I get it right? I think you did. Yes! Uh, It's Sputore, Sputor. Sputore. Not much available in terms of searchable credits, but the only thing I could find was he directed several episodes of an Australian television show. So by all accounts, this is his first major film. And he's Australian. Yeah, did a a (laughs) decent job, I would say. Not not great. No, no, not great from hindsight. And rounding out the cast uh, as the voice of Mother, we have Rose Byrne who has had a long and successful career in Hollywood, including uh, uh, Episode 2, uh, Attack of the Clones, uh, X-Men First Class, what? Bridesmaids. She's in Attack of the Clones? I think she's uh, Queen uh, Senator Amidala's decoy. Oh, okay. Oh, hey, okay. Yeah, she kind of looks like Kira Knightley. 
and Natalie Portman combined. Yeah, they're they're part. They're all part of this weird group of uh, actress lookalikes, <laughs> right? I wonder if she burns roses on the reg, huh? No, huh? no, no? just no. <laughs> so let's. Uh, did you get anything on like the background of this film? I just remember like seeing trailers all the time on Netflix. And you know, Netflix doesn't release a ton of um information about things like this unless it's a big movie like they just did uh the breaking bad film el camino and they did like a behind the scenes uh like 15 minute preview for that but they don't really do anything like that with like what hbo does or showtime does for major hollywood productions yeah they don't even release how many people really tune in correct unless they want to they're very netflix they're very tight-lipped about their streaming information Mm-hmm. And unless it's a, a big time program like Stranger Things or Mindhunter, then they'll release that of information. Of course. <laughs> they don't also they also don't release any budget information either. Yeah. So it's hard to tell exactly the effort that went into the film. Yeah, you could, there's nothing on this at all. Yeah. I think it's easy to tell though that most of the budget had to have gone to the look of the underground bunker and the design of Mother and the other robots. Oh, yeah. The CGI was exceptional. And I think Mother was an actual practical effect. It was a suit, right? Yeah. Uh, the stand-in was a man by the name of Luke Hawker. Ooh, what a what a name. <laughs> Hawker. Very, very Australian name. <laughs> Luke Hawker. Yeah, uh, that ain't a knife, Hawker. <laughs> Get on set, Hawker. Start hawking away. Well, it... And also the special effects were created by Weta, which is the special effects shop that did the Lord of the Rings films. And they've done many, many other films since then. And, and they're, they're... Weta? Yeah. The Lord of the Rings really put them on the map for their um, their special effects and production design. I feel like Lord of the Rings put New Zealand literally on the map again. People are like, oh, that's a place. Well, not to go off on too much of a tangent, but that's right. become this whole industry in New Zealand of doing Lord of the Rings tours. You can go to a lot of the filming locations and they still have mm-hmm. the Shire set that's yeah. up and you can go visit that and you can even stay there. The Hobbit. Oh my God, you could stay as a Hobbit? You oh, could stay so- in one of the homes, yeah. Hey, that's dope. Comes with your own furry feet slippers. It's a multi-million dollar industry. I know people at- uh, It's crazy. I'm going to Google. I know people at my day job yeah. who, have d- who have done a vacations like that. Are you serious? Yeah. Did they like it? Was- is it, is it like a Hobbit theme? Like you have to bend over to get inside or whatever? I don't know the specifics. Of- oh, I did- <laughs> you can't bottle me up like that. I know people. Well, why don't you just look it up on your own time and then you can make the decision how much money you really want to spend on a vacation. Because <laughs> I trust you, Chris. I trust you over technology. Well, that's your first mistake. But I am mother. Let's get into this film. So a question I wanted to ask you, when do you think this film actually takes place? Because we get that title card in the beginning of the mm-hmm. film, and like it's something like thirteen thousand days later or something. So if we do math, maybe let's say late two thousands, like twenty nineties, maybe, maybe. I because it's it's kind of sleek, but as you find out, humanity's wiped. Yeah, I'd say like twenty eighty eight or something like that. What do you think? I think that's a fair estimate. Yeah, late 2000. Well, because we would have to have developed an advanced military AI, because apparently we didn't learn anything from the Terminator movies. Or any sci-fi film that's called. <laughs> you have 50 years of sci-fi films giving a warning. We learned books. We learned nothing <laughs> from all, from literally every other film that talked about artificial intelligence. Money, Chris. That's all that matters. 
Well, obviously there is an apocalypse that's happened. It's not exactly clear when this film takes place. So we're kind of going into this blind with little to no setup. We get this, I hesitate to call it a montage, but it's the only way to really show a unique passage of time Mm -hmm. to show mother growing, which is again, another weird concept that you grow a baby in a day and raising it. Yeah. But yeah, but it already doesn't add up because daughter looks like she's only 17 and yet we're only like 35 years from when the apocalypse occurs. So the math is a little off or she's failed at being a mother and aborted several children, which we spoilers, we find out. <laughs> yeah, which is uh, one of the more shocking moments of the film. Yeah. A, a baby jaw and an incinerator. Ooh. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> How did you feel about the uh, ambiguity in this film? Like not really knowing the timeline and everything. Did that bother you? Does that bother you with films? It bothered me slightly. Yeah. Um, like when we're watch when we were watching Terminator, for instance, mm-hmm. we we get a setup of how is it we've come to arrive at this point in the future with a with a barren landscape and barely in pockets of humanity left. We don't get any sort of explanation as to what exactly happened Mm -hmm. mother briefly mentions that her entity was built to help humanity fight their wars but then nothing else happened like no nuclear weapons or we just decided to make the other countries go to war with each other right (laughs) i i kind of (laughs) remember i think she did something along the lines maybe i'm wrong you correct me but she thought she could do it better and so it yeah. kind of turned into a Skynet thing where it's like, I'm going to eradicate you species and then rebuild it on my own because you guys are inherently flawed. So if I, you know, pull out the gene that makes you flawed and program you my way, then you will be successful as a species. Well, you see mother trying to rebuild humanity, mm-hmm. starting over with daughter and who knows how many other bunkers there are under doing this exact same thing. Yeah, it doesn't really say, right? No. Huh. And then just outside this bunker, there is this almost endless field of corn or crops or whatever they're doing. So there's a purpose behind Mother's destruction of the world, but we don't know what it is because it's not mentioned. <laughs> Maybe the she sh- talks about wanting to make it better, but w- like, what's the grand plan here, Mom? Yeah, let's uh, add us some insight. Or or maybe she was just being uh, the the purple haired chick from the Last Jedi. What was that, Holdo? Yeah, Admiral Mother Holdo. Was being Holdo, man, just holding out on the plans for little daughter. It was a need to know basis, and she didn't need to know, apparently. But they spent their entire lives in this bunker. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but the layout of the bunker on film didn't make too much sense. Granted, it's impressive to watch. Yeah. On film, it's the most impressive aspect, production design wise, but. It just didn't understand how the entire thing was set out underground. I'm sure if you're a child and you grow up in the winding passages, she somehow navigated it in her mind, but it didn't make sense. You're right. Because what would your ideal bunker be, Chris? If you could design your own bomb shelter to save the world, how would you design it? Well, it's two bunkers we're looking at in... It's a bunker that's designed for... larger than what we're seeing on screen and I am mothered. It's bunkers clearly designed to house people in the thousands, at least. Mm -hmm. If me, if I were to put on my conspiracy hat and say, like, I need to build a bunker to protect me and my family, Mm -hmm. and it has to be deep enough underground, and there has to be levels of security so my, you know, intruders can't get in, there's got to be a food storage, 
a place where I can have clean water, mm-hmm. um, living space. Would right. you have it like gymnasium style where it's just one big open square or would you have like winding passages? No, I would just want like one big space. Did you ever see the film The Road? Yes. I would want that bunker that the the father and son find. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a nice. Simple, yet it's 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 to the point. Exactly. It's meant to do exactly. I don't need anything where machine gun turrets are going to pop out and defend against zombies or whatever. I just want a simple bunker to live out the rest of my days in the event of a coming apocalypse. <laughs> How do you feel now, like segueing into, I guess, our science of the show, tech? Because there's a lot of tech in this. How do you think the tech will impact like parenting? Because right now in our life, I see, because I'm in the restaurant industry, a lot of parents utilizing YouTube for children. You know, they, we see a bunch of kids, even in schools, I see kids more so using laptops as a form of learning. Do you think they could facilitate tech in parenting? Like, I don't know in the future, maybe with robots like this, but how do you think that plays a pearl? I think. Technology can certainly aid in parenting, but by no means should it be a substitute for parenting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the danger that we're seeing now of parents just reluctant to teach their children, I guess, and plopping them in front of a TV or a screen to watch Little Einstein or whatever educational program they find appropriate at the time. Mm-hmm. But there's there's the value of being with a child and teaching them a hands-on activity to teach them how to learn this skill and also their builds their own self-sufficiency skills as well. Cause there's thousands of things you can learn with your hands that you can't learn from a computer screen. Very true. You definitely learn when your finger gets jammed and what pain is number one and number two, how to not do that next time. Whereas in technology, if you just see someone do something, it could correlate. Like, I've heard of experiments where people watch, let's say, I, it was about free throws. Um, a guy wanted to learn how to shoot free throws, so he just watched a video on, like, form, release time, etc. But then he shot the free throw, and he was successful, like, one out of ten. You know? Right, it, because it, it, it works on the video, but you need to find, especially for something like that, where it's an athletic skill, mm-hmm. you need to find something that suits your skill set. Exactly. Which is why, you know, Shaquille O'Neal could shoot a free throw to save his life, but he could get 25 rebounds again because he was right. taller <laughs> than everybody else and could do that. Exactly. But and I, and I think we've also reached this point in society, too, where almost learning skills with your hands, carpentry, woodworking, uh, engine repairs is almost uh, frowned upon. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, oh, you're working with your hands. Why? You're like, you're making your hands dirty. And and it's almost tied to this status of like being poor or having less than, and by no means is that the case. No. Because those are very, very noble professions. Those are very important professions to know. Absolutely. I would love to be a mechanic, right? You could save so much money. On fixing your car, you would know how to do it yourself instead of having to stumble into a repair shop and hope to God that they're not screwing you over. I mean, these I think those feats are more, to me, marketable and important traits to have, you know, putting on conspiracy hat. Like, and when the end of times happens, you know, like if that ever happens, the world apocalypse, I'd rather know how to fix a car than like post on Instagram or market something on social media. Well, even learning home repair. Yes. Minor home repairs or even painting a room. It's such an invaluable skill to have Mm -hmm. 
the immediate gain is yes, you save money, but you also have that knowledge that you can take wherever you live. If you're living in an apartment, a townhome, if you have your own home, that's a skill you take everywhere in life, and it's a it's an easy skill to pass down as well. Absolutely, because that's the primary responsibility as a parent. You pass down what you've learned to make the job of the next generation much easier. Yes. And there's only so much a YouTube video could teach you. By And by no means are we saying that Google or a YouTube video are bad skills. They're certainly a starting point. Mm-hmm. But you need that hands-on experience to further your understanding. Yes. As you said, it shouldn't be a substitute or replacement for the actual parenting There's already studies out there in the public that demonstrate how much screen time is too bad, is too much for a child. Mm -hmm. And it's important to limit that at least until, I don't know, age five. Oh, even beyond. I mean, there's apps out there that you can, it's crazy. I've done this where I download an app and it shows me how much my screen is on and it tracks it throughout the day. I always shot for only to be on my phone for like an hour to two maybe three at most during the day. I remember one day it was, it was military weekend, 12 hours. Wow. It makes you feel bad, but I totally recommend these apps if you want to low your uh, screen time or your usage on your phone. Because once you see the numbers, you're like, oh God, I do have a problem. You know, it's like seeing yourself stumble and puke after drinking too much at a bar and be like, maybe I should go to AA after all. But that's, you know, I feel like we're stumbling into this week's force-fed sci-fi life skills segment, and (laughs) maybe we should get back on topic. Well, question I wanted to ask to round out this line here, Mm -hmm. is it possible to code a robot like Mother? Possible to code? I'm sure in 100 years from now. Currently? I don't know. Maybe, like, I think it, it could be. You could, if you're a good programmer and you could design a program... To teach your kid, maybe, but they would just have to like stare at the screen the whole time, you know? Maybe it would be like the Matrix. I think it could be possible to code a robot to have a certain skill like Mother mm-hmm. has, like changing a diaper, for instance. Yes. Because that technology exists, because uh, a lot of breweries have this technology of cleaning and moving kegs around, these heavy kegs. Mm-hmm. They code their uh, their robots to move the kegs or clean them or fill them up, and it's it's a very interesting process. That's pretty cool. So I think it could, it's possible yeah. to code a skill like that, but can you code motherhood? Like how to mother, how to parent a child? I don't think so at this moment in time. Um, that's so much. Like think of all the programs and all the aspects that has to go into it. And not only that, but you're saying then the program itself has to be the ace of all parenting. So how do you know that's the correct way to parent, you know? Like what is your sample what is the test subject been? What is the outcome? Like how much research has... It sounds like such a mind-boggling concept to grasp and it requires so much intellect that right now in our meager means, probably not. I wouldn't say. But maybe in the future, 100 years from now. I think a bad parent might have coded mother. A bad... <laughs> you think so? Well, yeah. How do? How, what do you think uh, mother did as a job? I, you know? Well, when we first meet mother and daughter together... Mother isn't exactly teaching her any sort of marketable skills. She's teaching her about philosophy and ethics. Granted, those are still very important things to learn. Watch yourself. There's how many philosophy majors? 
<laughs> but she's also teaching her the lesson uh i think it's Kant's lesson about oh would you push a fat man onto the railroad tracks to save five people yeah so she's teaching her i mean utilitarianism mm-hmm. which that, it's okay it's not the be all and end all of philosophy theories though oh yeah i think they used in the film if you're a doctor and you could save five people right would you get rid of this person's organs to save those five or would you you know, save the one person and and kill the five. And then she, there was like the crux. Oh, I don't know if they're good people or not or blah, blah, blah. Well, there's also this giant cornfield <laughs> just outside their bunker. Why not teach her some farming skills? Right. <laughs> teach her some skills that are going to be useful in the future when she's trying to rebuild humanity. Why not have the talk? Have, talk to her about the birds and the bees. She's old enough now. You can't just grow her a mate. Didn't that, that kind of confused me, you know? Like, how, are they just going to keep growing people? Or, like, when do they actually bang? You know, is she going to, like, go through her whole life without ever having a partner? Because that's kind of lonely, like, your whole life. Going well, especially if mother's whole endgame is to turn a new, renewed earth back over to humans. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we'll whose daughter you know gonna mate with in order to accomplish that or are they just gonna keep spawning new ones are they all gonna be related to well, you is need, this like something out of the well body? yeah that's the important thing too you need to have genetic diversity in yeah. with this reborn humanity i think that was my question while watching i'm like this is weird man <laughs> what are they all the same genetic code what's going on here and daughter finds herself caught in between these two influences of mother and woman this woman finds herself at the bunker. She's been injured and she wants to get in. And the whole time, daughter doesn't know if she can trust woman. She's never seen another human before. Yeah. She doesn't view humanity as untrustworthy or manipulative or evil. She's super naive about it. Like, exactly. just wants to be BFFs. From All the moment. she knows is mother. Right. And Hillary Swank is like, no, ma'am, get away from me. I don't trust any of you. Which, uh, it's it's kind of sad watching her get rebuffed, because it's like seeing, you know, it's like an innocent child for the first time, you know, not getting what they want, and you're like, oh, you feel Well, she bad. really doesn't know who to trust, and she's being played the entire time by- Both people. Exactly. Because that's the big reveal in the end, that Hillary Swank-a-Lank is living alone in a trailer, and she killed all the people that she promised were out there a long time ago. And then, double Swank- Mother was in control of it all. You know, she was in control. She kept Hillary Swank's character alive. So, although I am curious where Hillary Swank got the dog from, right? She has this dog. What is she feeding it? I don't know. The soup, the black goop, like, and then the dog disappears, right? It's only there for the couple moments at the beginning when she lets it out. And then. No more dog. At least we didn't get a film where the dog was ripped apart by mother. Thank God. Yeah. Do we have any red shirts? Was there any murder in this film? Yes. Oh, wait. My red shirt, and I think this is really the only red shirt in the film, is the little rat that daughter traps in the beginning of the film, and she's showing mother in the hopes that she'll let her keep it, Mm -hmm. and then she just throws it in the incinerator and presses that button. (laughs) And no more pet. So cold. It carries diseases, just throws it in and pushes the button. And the daughter's just like, but wait, but no, no, no. It's just, nope. It's like those old school films where the parents are like, no, you must not talk to him. Romeo and Juliet. But mom. But mommy's cute. No. 
I said so, and so it is, and so it shall be. Well, think about how much easier it would have been on daughter living in that bunker to just have a pet. I know. How lonely. I mean, honestly, I think she's doing pretty darn good for having a robot as like your parent and no pets, no human contact. Because, I don't know, I've seen people in society where they're like alone too much, or like it's them and one other person, you're like... Oh, so you're the type of people that go out to Walmart past midnight. You spend too much time with each other. <laughs> right? They're the people that talk to themselves in the car alone erratically, and you see them shaking, and then they look at you and get all embarrassed. That's what, <laughs> if you ever do that when you drive, you're just like wide-eyed at someone like, what the crap are you doing? I see it all the time with people who like have full plates of food in their car. No! I've seen people with plates and utensils. No! Are you serious? I'm dead serious. I've seen people reading a newspaper. I mean, I see somebody putting on their makeup every morning, so that's that that doesn't surprise me anymore. No. But what always surprises me is like when somebody's got like a 60-pound dog in their lap or full-on kitchenette in their car or people with trash up stacked in their windows. Oh, that's gross. I've I seen hate. I've seen literally dumpsters with wheels. Like you can't help but stare. It's like watching a car wreck. Yeah, right. I saw I saw one car one time there were McDonald's cups literally stacked up in this weird Picasso-esque collage of hoarder in the car. I felt sad and fascinated at the same time. <laughs> that's crazy, man. Like what what does it take to get to that level? That's always my question whenever I see that. I'm like, how far do you go down? Deep-seated psychosis is what it, it is. It has to be, man. Oh, good God. So, what do you think the themes are of this film, Sean? I want to hear your take on this. <laughs> so, I think this film is about parenting. <laughs> uh, trust. Let's see. What a... What a <laughs> How to be a good parent? And You've already uh... said that. You said parenting already. <laughs> well, I think you're right on the nose yes! with parenting. Oh, yes, thank God. Well, it, it raises the question. I mean, what does it mean to be a parent? Yes. I mean, I don't think mother is parenting out of a place for love. I mean, it's a robot. It's incapable of knowing what love is. Oh, so you mean what you're saying is they aren't listening to that song? I want to know what love is. No, mother is not listening to Foreigner. I want you to show. That's Foreigner? Yeah. No, that's not Foreigner. That is Foreigner. No way. That's Foreigner. Jeremy, is that Foreigner? That's Foreigner. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. This is it. I'm going to tell you what that is. Oh, are you kidding me? That's Foreigner. Am I right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're right on the nose, though, with uh, yeah, the film being about Parenting, because we see mother style of parenting, this dispassionate, not really preparing her for the future yes. deal. And we see woman who just views daughter as almost like a means to an end, just so she's not lonely in the apocalypse. Oh, that's depressing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's, she's taking daughter for her own selfish reasons. It's not to save her from mother. It's just so she's not lonely anymore. That's right. That's the big reveal when she's like, I, why did you take me? Why'd you like there me? isn't anybody else for her to hang out with. There aren't any boys or other women to learn from. No, she just took her to live in a shipping container on the beach so she wouldn't be lonely anymore. Right. It's like, what's the end game? How are you? What are you just both going to die? <laughs> so you're willing to give up and ruin her life and her livelihood for your own self-interest. There's 
also two instances of like telegraph filmmaking here. I mean, one in the very beginning with the foreshadowing with the incinerator. Well, I mean, once Mother threw the rat in there, we all knew it was going to come back at some point in the film. Right. I want you to guess what you think the other obvious filmmaking moment there was. Oh, snap. There's another <laughs> There's another one, at what? least in my opinion. There's another instance of just obvious symbolism. Uh, um. It involves mother and daughter. Oh, is it the end? The climax? It was when daughter- when kills her? It something? was when daughter shoots mother. Yes! I got it. That's right, because that was so cheesy at the end. Well, it's right? obviously emblematic of the child's struggle to shake off- their parents and to grow free yeah to quote the last shout out god i can't believe i'm quoting this film but what yoda says we are what they grow beyond oh but that was the, like one of the better parts of that film <laughs> that was the touche but that's right because uh that i don't think they could have hit it more over the head with that film in i am mother with her like literally shooting her to be like all right she's on but i question when she shoots mother, didn't mother say, if I'm remembering correctly, like, if you kill me, it doesn't matter. I'm everywhere. She did say that. Yes. So with her shooting mother, isn't she just going to come back? Well, she can't get back into the bunker. Oh, she can't? No. Oh, so she would. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. I thought, because weren't they trying to drill inside like the machine? They were, but then the main mother entity convinced them to stop. And oh. mother told her by killing me, like, I can't come back. Into the bunk, she can't come back into the bunker now. Missed that. Okay. What about a lens flare, Sean? Lens flare. Let's see. I would say, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna say the ending was my lens flare because I remember. I I think I remember less sparks, a lot of big like music going. On. Yes, it's all coming back. The score. Remember that big score when it's like, and like it's like the slow motion gunshot and everything. Mm-hmm. That was just too over the top for me, man. Well, it's hyper stylized. It also yeah. ends very abruptly. Yeah, where it doesn't leave any sort. It leaves kind of ambiguous room for a sequel, but not a lot to really pin one down. Doesn't she just like walk into the embryo area and just like look up and then? Boom, it's over. She's like, I'm going to find one of these embryos to mate with. <laughs> right, sure. I'm not going to call it my brother. But wouldn't, I guess, yeah, with her, she only has like two options left, right? Like she's either going to raise the embryos, or and I always thought she's either going to destroy the whole bunker or raise them, right? And how would she be a good mother? Like, how would she be a good fit? I don't know, because all mothers really taught her is philosophy and ethics. Right? So I mean, I'm assuming there's some sort of food generator or, like, maybe some diaper-changing machine, because clearly, like, she doesn't understand the mechanics of, like, raising a baby. And didn't she, like, have a skill in, like, tests that she was supposed to take, and she, like, answered it all, I'm super depressed, I hate my life, and she passed? Like, what is that? That I don't know. It doesn't make sense probably some weird psychological test i mean maybe mother was looking for somebody who wasn't overly happy in the bunker somebody who would be prepared to leave it when the time came oh that, oh, all right all right i see that what was your lens flare i i agree with you on the ending yeah because I, I was hoping maybe if the film was a bit better there it could have potentially be room for a sequel or some yeah or- some some form of continuation on with the story that would be better than the one we received yeah so with that being said, then, was it nominated for anything? 
Well, I mean, given <laughs> that this was a recent release this past year, um, no, no nominations. It holds a 64% rating on Metacritic and 90% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a bit high. That is really high. Given how formulaic the plot was. Right. And like we mentioned earlier, Netflix doesn't release their streaming information. So it's difficult to say how this film performed in people's lists. So we don't know. Who knows? All right. So what would you rate the film with our awesome scale of would not watch, would watch, would own, and would host the Nerd Elastic viewing party? Well, I think a lot of this film is basic. Basic plot, basic characters, basic setting. Clara Rugard manages to outperform her, her counterparts in the film, mm. while Swank and Byrne turn in subpar performances, given their body of work in recent years. It, it doesn't feel like there's any sort of clear direction regarding the themes, and the film ends on a very dour note, given the growth that Daughter has had to undergo in a very short amount of time. It didn't feel like there was any sort of real danger throughout the course of the film either. I mean, the real danger is coming from the ulterior motives of mother and woman. There's no danger from the robots or anything. Ultimately, mother is controlling the other robots, so yeah. she's not going to kill daughter for no reason. Given how basic the film is overall, I'd call this a wouldn't watch. A wouldn't watch? Yeah. Whoa, really? Would not watch. That is a pretty... Wow, this is a rare occurrence on the force-fed sci-fi with Chris Rupp. And I would say for mine, then, I would agree with you. I'm... I was well on my way a month without thinking about this film until this review. And yep, I'm good. I never want to talk about this again. Save yourself the time and watch something else in your Netflix list. Yes. Uh, yes. To reiterate, basic plot. It just felt like a whodunit film. Really, the whole time. You're like, who's going to be the twist? Who's lying? And I don't know. There's better films out there. Go watch Clue. Go something. go rewatch Mindhunter or Stranger yes. Things on if you're if you're on Netflix. Go watch The Crown. Yes. The Crown's a good show. <laughs> There's tons of things. So with that being that, I guess we'll wrap this one up. Let's next. pick our next movie. Yeah. With uh our favorite robot sensation of the nation, Major Samantha. Yes. <laughs> and she's gonna help us pick our next film from our list of 118 films. And she goes. I want to know what love is. Like, I want to know the next movie. <laughs> it is number 71. And what is that? It's a classic from 1951. It is The Thing from Another World. All right. That'll be our film for next time. Please watch and enjoy with us. And if you enjoyed today's show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. It really helps to drive us up the charts as well as help people like you find the show. We are across the spectrum of social media with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at ForceFed Sci-Fi. You can check out and download episodes at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you find podcasts. And go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Finally, you can check out our website, ForceFedSciFi.com, for show notes and links to all of our social media. So for all of us at the ForceFed Sci-Fi team, We'll see you next time. Force Fed Sci-Fi is written and hosted by Sean Culp and Chris Rupp. Website design, associate producer, and editing by Jeremy Kesky. Artwork designed by Mike Berger. Theme music composed and performed by Custom Anthem.